Welcome to this episode of the Musicians Venture Podcast. I am your co-host, Nick O'Brien, and I am fortunate to be joined by the other co-host of the podcast, founder and owner of Wisconsin Music Ventures, Allison M. Allison, it's been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, <laughs> glad has. to be back on the mic with you. Yeah, good to be here too. And you're the host. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you still put out, you know, the solo episodes on 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 things that yeah, I don't know yeah. as much about. So I'm definitely not the only voice of the podcast. Um, yes, yeah. And uh, it would be, um, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't obviously give you credit for this. Like you started this yeah. thing, and um, <laughs> I do appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, so for our listeners, you know, Allison and I have over the last couple of weeks have been kind of chatting offline about. Um, just different uh, conversations that each of us has had with uh, with musicians about you know you know areas of the music industry that they may be challenged with or just seems to be that like a lot of my conversations like are that with musicians the same types of things start to come up in, in close proximity to each other um, and then we did host uh, a, a meetup for musicians. Um, within the last couple of weeks that was focused on one particular topic and that topic being uh, pricing your, your work, how to price your gigs, how to price your merch and just like getting musicians to share their experience and their perspective on working with different venues. And um, it was a really, really meaty conversation. Um, and it's one that it, it seems as though there's a, a desire for there to be some sort of standardized process, but it may be an area of the music industry that is in pretty impossible to standardize um, based on the nuances that um, that in, that entail like different skill levels, different types of venues, whether it's a bar or a, a, an actual music venue, or if it's a club, those types of things. So I thought it'd be fun for Allison and I to kind of dive into the topic of 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 pricing um for just a you know a, a portion of this episode and then we might dive into a few more things that have come come up in prior podcast interviews that uh i think either i and or allison have have found interesting and intriguing so um so that's kind of the the lay of what this episode will cover um but and we're not really sure where it will go but it'll be a fun time and and, and an, an informative one at that so um so yeah, I guess Allison, just starting with the topic of of pricing. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've been privy to this conversation for a lot longer than I have. Um, and so I guess, you know, before we really get into the insights that I've been able to draw from conversations and meetups and things like that, like what's your whole kind of outlook on the topic of pricing, particularly gigs? Um you know, from the musician's perspective. And then also know you have a lot of good relationships with, with venues. So like you can kind of play the mediator in this conversation. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, like how, how do you, how do you think about this? What are you hearing and, and, and what conclusions do you have at this point as it relates to pricing? Well, I mean, as a musician myself, um, I know that there's a difference between private events and public event rates. And then festival rates versus, you know, your more standard casual bar gigs. And um, it, there's just such a variety. And then whether you're a new band or you've been around for a while, that weighs in. And then also from as a promoter, uh, from, from the promoter side, which is more what I do with Wisconsin Music Ventures, um, you know, you start to have an expectation of 
are the musicians helping to promote the event themselves or are you on your own doing that? Um, you know, cause, cause that also weighs into the conversation. How much are the, how much work are the musicians really putting into the event? And, uh, that, that all plays together into, um, when I view, uh, how musicians get paid or how they get asked back to gigs and things like that. Uh, but I'm curious uh, what you heard in the meetup. Yeah, well, it's, it's very in line with what you just said. You know, most everybody uh, on the meetup said it, it varies, you know, it's mm -hmm. case by case, mm -hmm. you know um, I think that's why musicians like to um, kind of develop a relationship with, you know, a core group of venues that they work with right. and it simplifies that process so it doesn't necessarily seem like they're starting over from scratch every single time they're trying yes. to book a gig um you know from a from the from the from the dollars and cents perspective it seems to be pretty um pretty standard at least among the people who attended the the the, the meetup that like the bare minimum uh that a musician should make for an hour of 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 playing is a hundred dollars um and 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 some of them were were pretty uh adamant about being that that is the bare 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 minimum you know mm -hmm. and 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 sometimes there are you know there was a musician that was on the meetup that is just kind of starting out you know um you know just getting past the the stage of i don't get paid for music i just show up to open mics and i'm kind of cutting my teeth in in this world um and you know they had mentioned that recently they had had an, another musician reach out to them and explain um that that if you're going to take that if he that if they were going to take gigs for for a lesser amount just to get the experience and you know try to kind of evolve into getting paid to do music out of the open mic kind of scene and into a paid gig scene um th this particular musician was was taking gigs for a much lower price than what you know other you know working musicians were taking and so this other musician and that he was speaking with had had said do you understand that if you're taking these lower paying gigs that's that's actually going to affect you know the rest of the musicians in this particular geographic area um, because most of the venues are at least in, in this area, which this was out of state. So not, not talking about anything in Wisconsin. Um, but it was a smaller area. There's only so many venues and, and there are a lot more musicians than there are venues. And, um, and so it was like, you, you know, he was just kind of, he, he didn't thought about it before. He just shared that he realized that like, oh, I, I didn't understand that me taking gigs that were, felt appropriate to me, like in terms of the pricing, were actually negatively impacting the rest of the music scene. And so that was an interesting insight, you know? Um, and I think that was a conversation that, you know, I had had with uh, a Wisconsin Music Ventures members, member as well, who has been in the scene for, you know, 20 plus years and is consistently seeing, you know, n newcomers taking gigs for less, for less pay and it kind of pricing their music out of of the scene which i don't know how often musicians think about that what's your what's your take do you, do you think musicians are thinking about the whole kind of ecosystem in addition to also thinking about okay what do i have to do what do i have to make to just make this work 
I think that typically they are not thinking about the other musicians for sure. Uh, and not that they are intending to do it that way or, you know, and not that there's any ill will there by any means, but uh, there's definitely organizations, uh, for instance, I had worked with a nonprofit at one time that um, really, really underpaid uh, musicians for what they hired them for. And as a musician who was involved on their board, I would really get angry about it and try and fix their uh, their system and advocate for getting more pay for the musicians every single time. But the the constant um, response to that was, well, we keep getting people that we, we have a waiting list of people that want to play for us every single time. So there's people who will, will take those gigs um, often because it's associated with a nonprofit, um, maybe because they, that this particular nonprofit had a lot of eyes on it. Um, so they see it as a promotional opportunity or um, there's a lot of hobby musicians out there that, you know, of course, in music and in any arts field, there's a lot of people who have, you know, a day job and that do music on the side. So they don't need the money. They do just do it for fun. But th those people are then, especially if they're pretty good musicians and they, but they really don't need the money. Um, they really are bringing down the the rates for everyone else. But I don't think anyone really thinks about it that way. They're just trying to be helpful to the venue or the nonprofit or whoever else uh, might be associated. So um, but yeah, in the end, it really is hurtful to musicians for sure. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's great to have these conversations to mm -hmm. get, you know, you know, to prompt musicians to think more holistically about, you know, the ripple effect of the decisions that they make. Um, uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's holistic thinking in that type of a realm is certainly an indicator of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not just in it for me. I'm also in it for like the greater community of, of other musicians who are trying to, you know, make it as well. Um, and, and so no surprise to me that the musicians that are coming to Wisconsin music ventures meetups are thinking more about that way. They're mm -hmm. kind of more com community oriented in, in, uh, to begin with. I know another thing that came up during that conversation um, was, you know, whether it's, what type of gig it is, not just what type of venue, but if it's, you know, if it's for a nonprofit, if it's for, you know, just um, if, if we're going to stick somebody in a corner next to the dartboard and it's going to be ambient sound, like, you know, in a lot of ways, musicians kind of want to be paid more for that because mm -hmm. they're not getting the same kind of intangible outcomes of people, you know, like the fulfillment aspect of it, you know, people singing along to their songs, people following them on all their socials and buying merch. They're just kind of ambient music. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then even going into like corporate gigs and, and private gigs and things like that. And, and how those types of factors uh, have musicians thinking differently about what, you know, what they'll play for um, in terms of compensation. Um, and, you know, one thing that, one of the more experienced musicians in the, in the meetup shared is who, who tends to play a lot more kind of club gigs. You know, they, they brought to the table that the, 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 the pay at club gigs hasn't seemed to change in like over the Ages. course of the 20 yeah. year career that this musician has had. And it's mm -hmm. like everything else has experienced inflation, you know, it, it's more expensive to live it's more like equipment is more expensive you know 
it all of that yet the level of pay uh, at least in this particular venue from this particular musician's perspective hasn't increased at all and so what do you think is behind that you know like I know you had just been on um, uh, Wisconsin Public Radio kind of talking about the pricing of like those larger venue concerts and you know, kind of touring musicians and things like that. And yeah, ticket prices are going up because the price of everything else is going up. But it doesn't seem to be that way with kind of the more local venues. It seems to be like, well, this is what we've paid forever. And so we're just going to keep paying that. Yeah. And I think it's uh, that same mentality still of as long as people are willing to take it and willing to play at their gig, uh, play at their venue, um, they're just going to keep doing the same thing. Uh, it, until some of these musicians just stop being willing to do that. Um, it, nothing's really going to change with that. And I think I might even know some of these people who you were talking with. I wasn't at this particular meetup online, but I will say that um, I have, you know, because we do events with some of the musicians in Wisconsin Music Ventures, but we're also kind of a bit of an advocacy kind of group. I, I've actually suggested to some of them that they really need to be charging more based on like what I see them asking for um, because I see what everyone is looking at. And um, and there are some people who are definitely undercharging for themselves. And uh, especially based on the going rate, what I know some, some others that are comparable are doing. So we ourselves are like, I, I personally really make an effort to go out of the way to let people know if they are undervaluing their music. Um, that's kind of something on the side that I do for our member musicians, but, um, I do think, and, and of course I only really know that information for events that we do, but, um, I think it's really important that if you come across that to let people know if they are especially undervaluing what they do. And so how I don't know if any of the musicians uh, ever kind of respond to to that advice with, well, I would rather play music for a lesser pay than not play music. Right. And I, just as a entrepreneur and a creative myself, like I'm guilty of undervaluing my own work just because I want to do the work. And it doing the work for lesser pay it seems to be um, more fun, uh, more enjoyable mm -hmm. than 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 not having the opportunity to do, to do the work at all, you know. And so, I, are musicians responding to that advice? Well, it's like, well, I want to play uh, gigs here locally, and I guess I'll just have to. If I want to play, then I gotta I gotta play for what they want to pay. Yeah, you can do that if if your whole uh, idea of making money as a musician is um, primarily making money from gigs, that's fine. Although you can, you know, I know of some musicians who set a standard for themselves as far as what they are looking for from from gigs. And if if a place won't give them that, they will just turn it down and they'll use that night as a recording night or they'll make other use of that. Maybe it'll, it's a downtime kind of night. It's a lot of times you don't get that in the summers, especially around here. So, um, you know, maybe you don't need to push hard and maybe in, in saving that night for yourself and having standards for yourself at a certain level, um, you're going to get, you know, twice as much money for the next gig and you'll be really thankful that you had that night off. Um, so I, you know, it, it is, I mean, it, it's really up to you as to how you want to, um, control this for yourself. And, and you're the only one who's, I mean, you're your own boss in music. So you are answering to yourself if, if you don't like how it's working, but, 
Um, but I think that, uh, it, you know, that's, that's one way to do it is to just give yourself some time off and, and hold out for the, the ones that will pay you well. Yeah. And, and, and something else, um, that, that came up because, you know, here I am in this meetup kind of facilitating conversation and learning a bunch of, you know, new perspectives and whatnot. And I'm a very action oriented person. Like if, if there's a gap, if there's an issue, if there's a challenge, like I want to probably try to put action toward it in some way. And so I, I was just asking the musicians, like, you know, what would, what, what could a solution look like in this, you know, and, and the idea came out of like, you know, it, it, this would have to be for kind of a more exclusive and highly vetted group of musicians, but having some sort of like, you know, forum or spreadsheet or something that that people can communicate, you know, okay, if you're going to work with this venue, you got to know that they usually they don't pay more than this. And and or, you know, this type of a venue doesn't pay for the show, but they'll give you a percentage of the bar you know, or this type of venue, um, you know, they charge a cover and, and you only get a percentage of that cover, you know, those types of little interesting and, and valuable details, uh, can cut the booking time, like the time it takes to book down a lot more. And there seemed to be a lot of kind of frustration from the musicians that were a part of the meetup in even just that, that first conversation with the venue, you know, I, I even asked like, what what is the what is typically the way that that goes and and they most of them said well the venue just says what are your rates you know and it's like well that i can't tell you my rate because i'm not i mean i'm not sure how long you want me to play do you have your own pa or are we bringing sound equipment like um how many breaks is there a beverage comp is there a food comp like there's all these types of things mm -hmm. and so i asked well what what question would you like venues to start with? And, um, and they said, I would like to the venue to say, can we discuss rates, you know, <laughs> instead of just what's your rate, you know? Um, and then that got into conversations about, well, if, you know, some musicians will just say, Hey, this is my rate without asking all those other questions. And then the venue will kind of uh, counter with, well, no, we will, we only have this much to pay. And then the musician will come back and say, okay, well, if you only have this much to pay, then I can't bring my full band. And, you know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll go from a five piece down to a duo and, you know, we'll only play for two hours instead of three hours. So there's some of those like kind of negotiation tactics um, that I think certainly this musician who was bringing this up more skilled in doing this, a lot more experience, been in it 20 plus years, um, where I think some musicians who are just starting out just think any sort of negotiation like that is kind of giving the wrong vibe or, you know, there's just a lot more kind of business polish um, that's necessary and confidence. And like, you know what, I, I'm, 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 this is my standard. I'm not going to play for below that. Uh, um, or this is the standard that I have for paying my bandmates. And if they're not going to get paid what they deserve, well then, you know, we got to shrink, you know, what we're bringing. Um, there's a lot there, but, but um what are you what are your thoughts on just the idea of having some sort of like closed forum for an exclusive and like highly vetted group of musicians to be able to communicate about all these little details as it relates to their experience working with different venues? Yeah, that's something we've we've thought about doing ourselves um through Wisconsin Music Ventures. It's on my radar. Um how, you know, we'd have to 
There is something put up uh, in the Madison area, Madison, Wisconsin. I think it's called the Madison Booking Bible that might have been brought up there. Yep, um, it was brought up. But the the problem is, uh, it's really hard to. I mean, and I even saw it on their spreadsheet. Um, it's 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 a lot of data. It's it changes constantly. And it's really hard to keep it current uh, with the correct contact information and and rates and things change perpetually in this industry. And then, um, and then you know, how do you decide who is allowed to have it and why? I mean, for us, we would likely make it available to members only. Um, but how would you? I guess we, you know, there's ways you could make that work for us in our member based platform, but. Um, but I think the data management is a little bit more difficult. Um, but there, yeah, we just have to put our heads together and think about that. But um, I think I think there is room for that. The venues would be driven crazy about this. Uh, they would get so angry about it. And in their defense, there are a lot of things that that they have to think about um, that 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 musicians drive them crazy about. Like um, some of them, you know, have backup gear. Um, you know, available on site because there's, they've dealt with so many musicians who forget their own stuff. Um, and so that has to go into factoring into uh, how, how much or how little they pay the musicians and, and do they provide the the sound reinforcement or not? You know, there's, there's so much and every place is different. So it's really, really hard to standardize this stuff, which is why, as you said earlier, it's sometimes easier to just pick a few places <laughs> and stick with them. Um, but uh, man, if you can figure it out or if we can find a, a, a database and keep it maintained, uh, that could be really helpful. So it's on, it's on my radar. Cool. That's good to know. Well, I think, um, you know, our conversation about pricing um, gigs kind of nicely uh, sets us up for something that I want to talk about as as an insight from uh, from a, 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 a recent episode that we put out um, with Emil Pandolfi. Um, boy, I just first of all, I just really loved that episode. That that interview was amazing. Um, uh, and- it was great job with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not saying that like I, I did an amazing job. It was just a, it was really awesome to talk to somebody. Was, yeah, uh, very inspiring of, as a whole. Yeah, and and you know something that I mean, a lot of things in that conversation jumped out to me. But I think the one that stands out to me the most is Emil's very clear understanding of what success means to him, and it's not fame. It's not you know, the amount of money that he can make, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not a lot of the stuff that we in 2022 now kind of deem as success of, Oh, I've got influence and, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm selling a lot of albums and and that type of stuff. You know, he simply put, he, he kind of views success as like, I get to do something professionally every day that I really, really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And he said he was fortunate that, you know, he's had a lot of success from a fiscal, from a financial perspective, but success to him in life doesn't, isn't contingent on success for him in music. 
you know, basically success for him, his life is being able to do the thing, the professional thing that he wants to do, and then have the time and the financial freedom to do the things that matter to him as a, as, as a person, you know, Mm -hmm. taking trips with his, with his wife and his family and, and, and just kind of feeling more safe and secure versus always striving for like, I gotta be famous. I gotta, you know, I gotta take every gig I'm, I'm offered. And, um, I thought that was really interesting. How how often do you think that musicians think about success in that way? Um, I think early musicians early in their career tend to have a different perspective than later. And the ones who think about it later in their careers have ended up later in their careers for a reason, <laughs> um, because they've been able to make it work because they do have a different perspective. Um, if they chose to think of it as just a, you know, kind of a more of a, oh, what's the word? Um, kind of, you know, for the publicity, for the fame, for recognition, uh, probably not going to last too long in the industry. So, um, yeah, it's, but yeah, I loved Emil's perspective on it. And um, it was really refreshing to hear that from someone as accomplished as he is, because I think um, he just, you know, what I really got from that interview is that he just all, all the way through, he just seemed very humble um, and, and personable. And um, that's not necessarily what you would expect from someone who's been in the music industry as long, who's been as prolific as him, but he was. And I think that speaks to his perspective on uh, how he performs and why he performs. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting that either. I mean, for somebody who has like, I think like 800 million streams on streaming platforms. um, Yeah. I was, I I was kind of like, okay. I, I even came out and asked him, I was like, uh, you have 800 million streams on, on like, do you know who's playing your music? Like, you know, like who, who, who is, who, do you know where it's being played? Like, and he was like, nope. And he's like, I kind of stopped trying to figure that out. It doesn't really matter to me. You know, like he, 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 he's got a great life and it, it, again, success to him just means the joy of being able to do what he wants to do professionally that and that enables him to do what he wants to do personally. And, and I think at least, it's not just in music. I think in most people's careers, it's just, it's just the other way around. Right. I mm-hmm. I mean, I can speak to that as a kind of a workaholic, like, mm-hmm. you know, being addicted to success. Well, what does success mean? Like, what am I actually addicted to? Is it the dopamine hit of, um, you know, of, of on paper success, or is it more of a kind of a perspective of, you know, I'm really f- fortunate and grateful to be getting to do something that I love to do. And, you know, folks are willing to pay me for it. That's just, that's, that's great. It's just a joy rather than like a fame, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and then one more thing, uh, cause I, I know we're going to wrap up here in just a, just a couple of minutes, um, that, that stood out to me with, with my, the most recent episode with Jesse Stratton, um, from Texas is, uh, he 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 switched genres, uh, you know, a, a couple of times. And, and growing up in Texas, and, and actually not listening to country music, you know, which 
it seems kind of hard to believe, but I 100% believe him. Um, and then he got into like metal and hard rock in his first band. Then it was more, you know, it was less hard in his second band. And now, you know, he's, he's he, when he was in Wisconsin, now he's back in Texas and he's playing country music. And I, I'm just curious, and we were kind of talking about this before before we started recording, like I'm, as someone who is not, I'm kind of genre agnostic as a listener, I'm super intrigued by what that's like on the creator side, on the artist side of like, does it take a, a certain amount of discipline or intention to be able to, to go from one genre to the next? And even if you're a musician who is playing in multiple bands that aren't in the same genre, like what is that genre switching like? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm curious what your perspective is on that. I think that if you can play in multiple genres, you can make a lot more money as a musician if that's uh if that's your goal. And I know, you know, to kind of um refer back to what we were talking about with Emil, um, you know, uh he does music because he, he it's just it's a love for him, it's a passion. Um, and I've heard people who um you know who are in cover bands discuss. Um, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of hate on musicians who are in cover bands because um, why would you ever sell out and do just do that for the rest of your life? And they're like, well, I'm getting to play music for a living, you know, so what's wrong with that? Um, so they're there. I mean, as long as you can be flexible and um, and play pretty much anything, you can make a lot of money as a musician. But those people who are not as ready or willing to be versatile are going to have a, a tougher time, I would say. Um, so it's it's definitely to your advantage from a business per perspective, but also from a well-rounded person, musician perspective, um, gets you into different, um, you know, different types of personalities with bands. And uh, you learn a lot just about different mechanics of instruments and all sorts of things. So I think it's really helpful to, to be around different uh styles and genres although there's definitely the the purists who really like to stick with like jazz only and or you know whatever it might be classical only and and there there is something to be said about that if you really know that one genre you're really really strong there um and you are like the go-to person for that genre there could be a market for that too but i do think uh, for the average musician it's a little bit more marketable to to know more more than that so yeah yeah and it, you too yeah. And if, and if you're a musician who is really in, interested in like kind of just being a lifelong learner, um, it's probably a bit more fun to kind of go from one genre to the next and, and challenge yourself. And, and yeah. so I think there's probably something to be said about that. Um, who knows? That might be the topic of a, of a future WMV all, all musician meetup. Um, cause I, I, I just would love to learn more about that. So selfishly, that's a topic I'm interested in. And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, musicians who'd have something to share about that as well. Um, well, Allison, uh, this is always great conversation. I, I wish we could do like four hour episodes, you know, when we do these joint, <laughs> joint, uh, podcast episodes, because we have so much to talk about and I'm just, you're such a good source of information for someone who's not a musician, but is insatiably, uh, obsessed with, 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 with learning about the, the creator's mind, um, in music. Uh, and, and so this was, this was fun as always. I appreciate as always, you jumping yes. on. Thank you, Nick. Great to talk.